Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. I never asked for this. They say they saved but I'm not sure saved is the right word. If you want to make enemies, try to change something. The year is 2027. It is a time of great innovation and technological advancement. It is also a time of chaos and conspiracy. I don't even know whose side I'm on. Classes in session, and today we are looking back at one of Square Enix's recently sold off uh, studios' highlights. Uh, Eidos, Mon- Eidos Montreal's one of their highlights. But first, as always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG. And like I said, we are honoring Square's selling off of their Western RPG. And in order to do that, I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university Cameron Abbott editor over at that nerdy site to talk about some deus ex human revolution how's it going cam hey what's going on it's uh it's going pretty great um you know i'm i'm more than happy to talk about deus ex especially deus ex human revolution um and just super excited to talk about it with uh with you with y'all here so Yeah, yeah a bit of a different entry from the dot hack uh, that we had you on previously to talk about. We still gotta go through that the rest of that quadrilogy. But yes, uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution. Now this was the big reboot game uh, that initially released on August 23rd, 2011 for Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. In North America, it launched on August 23rd of 2011. Australia got it on October, or excuse me, August 25th. And then Europe got it August 26th. It would eventually release worldwide on Mac platforms on April 26, 2012. And then a special director's cut was released. um, And that was released... It actually released on the Wii U on October 22nd, 2013 for the Wii U. Australia got it October 24th. And Europe got it October 25th. Now, to give you an idea of some other games you may have been playing back in 2011... Uh, other games that released include Batman Arkham City, the first release of Skyrim, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Dark Souls, Uncharted 3, Zelda Skyward Sword, Dragon Age 2, Gears of War 3, the original Witcher game, and Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. A lot of heavy hitters. So, uh, Cam, before we jump into Deus Ex, did any of these other games steal your time that year? Oh, you know it, man. You know I was just all caught up in Batman Arkham City came out earlier in the year. Um, that was like just like that was like a defining game, I think, for a lot of people, myself included. Oh, yeah. Um, just the way that it transitioned from Arkham Asylum to this open world. Um, it's just it's truly a classic and really revolutionary in its 
you know, open world storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, Skyrim, of course, like 2011 was a banger of a year. You had, you know, Skyrim, you had Dark Souls. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of like retrospective looking back at Dragon Age 2 and seeing that in a better light than we kind of saw it at the time. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, it was such a departure from the original in so many different ways and also just in post learning about kind of like the production struggles of that game and what it was up against and just kind of, you know, you just kind of have to understand where they're coming from on it. And so Dragon Age 2 came out, Gears of War 3, which was, I mean, honestly, this was just a gangbuster year of blockbuster hits that just came one after another. Mm -hmm. um, I really, like, I don't know if it's been rivaled since then. I think maybe 20, maybe 2019, maybe 2020 is as stacked as this, but I think it's a hard press to find, especially when you talk about Arkham City, Skyrim, Dark Souls, just those three alone are going to clinch it for you, so... Oh, yeah. I mean, I for me, I was a big... Like, Nino Kuni releasing was a big one for me. I absolutely love that game. But looking back, especially now, like, Arkham City, like you said, it was such a monumental uh, release. It proved that Arkham Asylum wasn't, like, a one-trick pony. Like, it wasn't a fluke. Arkham City just built on it, and it was spectacular. And then you look at Dark Souls, which... Really, granted, Demon Souls was was popular, but Dark Souls like exploded it and created the soul genre basically. And now we look at eleven years later of the insanity and monolithic monstrosity that is Elden Ring, which is the the epitome of in kind of the magnum opus of that genre as as far as we can tell. And then you have the Last Uncharted, all sorts. So. 2011 was a was yes a a banger banger year but we are here to talk about adam jensen and deus ex human revolution so cam what's your kind of your background with the deus ex franchise and when did you kind of pick up human revolution so my background with deus ex comes from there's a, a little they're no longer around but there were these things called video rental stores Oh, I miss. Um, I worked for one. Yeah, yeah. It, it was always the dream as a kid. Like I, I want to work at a blockbuster or a Hollywood video. Mm -hmm. Um, because you just, like you get a talk. Like the the realities of retail don't sink into you as a child until you're much older and you realize just the horror that it is. Um, but I will say like my my history goes back to they in order to kind of like compete with GameStop and EB Games. Uh, Hollywood Video in particular created a side business called Game Crazy. And Game Crazy was attached to the Hollywood Video. And in there, they had, you know, stations set up that you could do, like, basically just, they would set up a bunch of CRTVs on countertops and, let and like, just had games going. And one of those games was uh, the original Deus Ex for me. And so, like, Deus Ex was, like, my first opportunity of playing a game like Deus Ex Human Revolution is actually its its eventual, you know, in it said stay sex human revolution is a prequel. It is technically the sequel, even though the game came out first. Um and just playing through it and just kind of like getting lost in it for like a good hour or so and just being like, whoa. And like really never coming back to it till much later. Um when when I had a PC and played it on the PC. So like I do have a history with this game, like this mm -hmm. with this franchise. 
but I really do, but I didn't go back to it till after I played a human revolution. Um, when that came out, you know, several years later, I got out on a steam sale and just my experience with it. I like, I was blown away by this really innovative, really incredible game that really captured a, a type of game that we don't get to see very often. And it also delved into like, it's funny. The game takes place in the year 2027, but man, does a lot of it still resonate to today? Like they were, they, they called a bunch of stuff on it, but um, you know, we're not exactly to the levels of human augmentation they describe in the game, but you know, it, it is a, it, it played itself up with its near futuristic kind of storytelling mm-hmm. and kind of like, delving a little bit into because the first game deus ex was a pure cyberpunk um sci-fi fantasy game oh yeah uh like like deep future we're talking you know clone technology like a lot of like more advanced stuff in regards to kind of like you know the the oppression of a cyberpunk world and then you have um human revolution which is kind of like predating that doing a bit more like much more of a near future analysis of the future um and does a really great job of it Oh, for sure. With for me, I remember, I I I remember I having tried the original Deus Ex uh, on Steam and whatnot previously, and it was a bit dated, and I just couldn't get into it. But I remember being so so excited for Human Revolution. Like the marketing for this game was was wild. Like they really put a lot of money into the marketing for this, and I had I was up at school in college and my original PlayStation 3 had broke. Like I had put in I I will always remember I had just picked up Darksiders when it was cheaper because I really wanted to get into the series and I put the disc in and my system yellow lighted and the disc got stuck and I had no PlayStation. Oh. It was it was really rough. But I knew Human Revolution was coming out, so the day this came out, I also picked up my new PlayStation uh PlayStation 3 Slim model. Mm-hmm. So I, I I remember vividly picking up both this and a new system and going back to my apartment and just playing this all weekend and just falling in love with it. And being a, a Metro Detroit native, native um, it was really interesting to see some little nods and Easter eggs to, to the actual city. Obviously, far different than Detroit actually is. But it was really, really fun, and this was the first Deus Ex game that I really, like, dove into and just got absorbed into and fell in love with. And honestly, it's the only Deus Ex that I have fallen so in love with. Um, it's just spectacular. Well, that, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, though, because I came to Deus Ex Mankind of, I'm sorry, uh, Human Revolution after the massive, like, like redo patches that they did on it yeah. after they did like the, like the absolute, like total rework of that entire game's, you know, yeah. entire system. Of the bosses and so, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, people don't know this prior to the rework, you had to literally like actually manually fight your way through boss fights. And so if you spec your character into non-combat and like non-lethal takedowns and stuff like that, like you were really in a hard spot on those boss fights. Yeah. So is so that you originally played it before the rework. Oh yeah. I actually have not gone back and replayed it since they had added all those. 
Um, and funny enough, I did do the the non. I I did spec my character to be more of the stealthy and non lethal. So yeah, playing through the boss fights, which at the time were um, very, it was a very stark contrast to the rest of how I was playing because. For those that aren't aware, the boss fights were all handled by like a different studio. It wasn't handled by the same group doing the main game. So they were approaching it from a different way. And that's why like the director's cut happened and all this big update, which uh, completely adjusted the bosses especially so you could do non-lethal takedowns or circumvent them entirely, making it much more of an all-around immersive sim, which up until that point, this was a far rarer and less buzz term uh, kind of genre. But yeah, it's... I I was was amazed by the work they did put in for the director's cut. Um, And I'm glad they did it, It, because they desperately needed it. Yeah, it it truly is a... The the concept and idea of Deus Ex, like the original game, Mm -hmm. was a game where you could kind of play it a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Um, And so seeing, like, I don't think I'll ever forget it was a Penny Arcade comic where they literally talk about like about that entire situation about how it's kind of like it's kind of scuff like it's kind of like really messed up like you are enticed to play the game a certain way in order to I mean let's face it we all wanted to read those emails mm-hmm. um like I like I I've never been so like there's something about human revolution and later uh, mankind divided where there's something very rewarding about, like, hacking and snooping through people's emails. Oh, yeah. Um, like, it, it's just, it's so much fun. I love, like, and, like, sneaking through people's cabinets and stuff and, like, getting, like, you know, little health bars out of there. And it's just, it's so much fun. And there's something really enjoyable about it. But um, I really, yeah, I found that that is, like, it boggles my mind playing through like after playing through the game and like looking back and thinking how in the world would you have like ever been able to beat these bosses? Mm-hmm. Um, if you were like trying to do them non like doing non combat run, it's yeah. insane. I remember having to use grenades a lot. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of cheesing them, like using whatever I had or could find, especially ammo wise to try and take them down. Um, it was definitely the low points of the experience, but um, I still yeah, I, came I had, came I, off from from playing Human Revolution absolutely in love with with the game. I th- I think that the game itself speaks to such a like a greater like the sum of its parts are going to be greater than the like or sorry it's greater than the sum of its parts is what I'm trying to say. Oh, hands um, down. in that in that the combat sequences are like far and away like the least interesting thing about that game mm-hmm. um despite the fact that it can get pretty interesting because it one you know it, it just can um because the, the gameplay is solid like the the gunplay in that game is super solid oh yeah um like just it's a lot of fun and the way that it kind of like bleeds of course you know i'm coming from the director's cut point of view um the way that it bleeds into things and the way that it does stuff is just so much more of a it really does kind of like act as a prototype to the immersive sim experience mm-hmm. that we're more used to, you know, today. And so I like, I just absolutely love it. Like the, like the experience of playing through it, 
Um, and kind of like, you know, Adam Jensen, everybody makes fun of him for being like this kind of like, you know, stock character, like, you know, mm-hmm. boring, like a boring protagonist. But I found that his, um, I found him surprisingly vulnerable when I played through it because I expected this much more like cold generic character and like you actually have a character who is, you know, quite, quite vulnerable in his approach to, you know, the, like this, the kidnapping or the, like the, the attack on the facility and like the death of the scientists at the beginning of the game is like, it does hit hard for him because of his personal attachments to the lead scientist and kind of like the, as you like, you, you like watch him mourn this, this relationship that mm-hmm. like ends up being like, it, it ends like the way that it plays out, like playing with Adam's heartstrings throughout this game is pretty interesting uh, mm-hmm. to say the least. So. Yeah. yeah, it's, I I have to say like, even like looking back and kind of going back and reading synopsis and whatnot for this episode, I fully stand by that Adam Jensen is one of the badass look most badass looking characters that were created in that era in like that generation of games like his his look whether it's like his pop-out shades or his coat just so iconic to the era and just still looks so damn good like he just looks so awesome and like the fact that he is a like I like that he's not the tallest character in the room. Like he is not mm-hmm. a, um, he's not a master chief. He's not like this, you know. He's he's more than this brooding person. Yeah. And it's interesting too because they get an actor, voice actor that sounds quite brooding. Like you know, sounds like you know, has a dark, like deeper, gravelier voice. Yeah. But the the character itself is a bit more, like I, I love the idea that he's a. Um, a turfed out cop like the idea that he is a like it's like they always say when it comes to cops it's like there's no such thing as a good cop because any good cop you know is covered for a bad cop and the idea that this is that he is a cop that got turfed out got pushed out by um you know by not doing not falling in line with the you know the Mm -hmm. with a bad order like making sure that he did the right thing and like that and he was punished for it and it's I like that idea of this guy who is a bit more on the lawful side of things, I guess is the best way Mm -hmm. to put it. Like he is like, he is, he's not so much of a normally when you get like, Oh, he was a cop, but he got kicked out because he was too tough. Yeah. They like, they told him to to turn his badge. He had to take things into his own hands. You know, one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's the complete opposite. It's a guy who's like, hey, this wasn't right. I'm not going to do it. And so he gets, like, forced out. And, like, it, it's nice to see a character who, like, and there's some dialogue options in that game where it's like Adam Jensen's a real, like, believer in, like, in human rights and in, you know, in constitutionality and, like, the idea that, you know, people, like, that human life is something that is precious and should be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see his beliefs in contrast with the world that continues to get colder and colder. Um, And then he ends up becoming, unfortunately for him, he becomes something of a poster boy for the augment revolution. Um, 
and he's kind of like put front and center into a situation he didn't want to be in. You know, he yeah. he fam- as his famous line goes, you know, I didn't ask for this. Mm-hmm. And him, and it turns out he's actually deeper and more embroiled in the kind of the whole situation that preempted the the assault on the Sarah facility than he ever could have imagined, and kind of like the secrets of his own past. And it's great. I, I love the, I especially still love the fact that like it, Idos Montreal is like very, like very keen on the concept and idea that in the original Deus Ex, your character was named JC and was often thought to be like an, like an al like an allegory or some sort of like representation of Jesus Christ. And so they decided if we are going to do a, pre- like a prequel, we're going to name our main character, Adam. As mm-hmm. in, like the the beginning of man, Adam, and it's just like, it's cool to see these ties and these Easter eggs and these kind of like built in parts of the mythos be explored, and like as somebody who's played the like the original game, mm-hmm. seeing kind of like the the world t- that we see in that game take shape is super cool. Yeah, how far in the past or what's the time gap do you remember between the original Deus Ex and Human Revolution? I don't remember. I think the original Deus Ex takes place in like 2050-ish. Okay. Um, because it takes place because uh, the like one of the scientists who makes a who's a major role in the game. I don't want to say anything too specific because of spoilers, and I want people to enjoy sure. this game. Um, one of the main scientists that you meet in Deus Ex: Human Revolution uh, is actually the scientist that created, uh, like the kind of like the whole genome sequence for Deus Ex. So for like the character JC is like a genetic inheritor of Adam in the, in this first game and it has something to do with like, it, and it's, it's, there's a lot going into that. That mm-hmm. is like not really spoilery because they're tangentially related to be like to begin with. Yeah. Um, Like Deus Ex, the original game was not created with this intention of like, well, in its backstory, there was a char- there was a character named Adam. Like, no, it was all redone, like retconned later. So, like, don't. There's no real ties to it besides like a lot of these tangential ties. Yeah. Um, but because so timeline wise, I'm pretty sure Deus Ex takes place in like the 2050 ish era. Okay. Yeah, it's what I like. So I guess I want to hear about, like, how do you like to play? Like, what's your kind of, in your mind, canonical Adam? Are you Do you like to play more of the stealthy approach? Do you Are you more run and gun or kind of a mix of the two? Like, how do you prefer to play, like, these kinds of games in general, I guess? It's interesting because I play these games very differently depending on the type of game that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing through, I've been doing a Let's Play series called uh, Friday Night Dying Light, where I've been playing through Dying Light 2. Mm-hmm. And in that game, I find myself very weirdly, like, being super stealthy and then, like, extremely bloodthirsty. Like, I'm just totally willing to take a life, no problem. Which is in contrast to how I play Deus Ex Human Revolution, where I usually go full-on, like, non, like non-lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, I play a lot of stealth. I play into this idea that it's like Adam Jensen does not come off as a guy who's like wanting to take a life. Um, I do kill all the terrorists, the tyrants, the bosses. I kill all of them because they deserve to die. (laughs) Um, Like it's a whole thing. It's like 
if it's not per- I kind of see Adam Jensen as somebody who's like if it's not personally motivated like he's extremely cold and ta- like tactical about it but when it comes mm-hmm. to the cards because of what he thinks they've done um and like what they have done he does take things into his own hands where he is going to end their lives because of who these people are like these people are bona fide cold-blooded terrorists who are at the beck and call of you know these massive multi multinational conglomerates where um and like it, they're all like they're just tool and they're just soldiers but at the same time they're murderers and it's a whole thing it's an awesome experience i love human revolution a lot so yeah it's i for me i've always been like stealthy like and that's what one of the things that attracted me so much to this is like i love like rocking like silence pistols or like trank guns and like sniper rifles and then just going from cover to cover and being able to going diving into a bit of the the deep augmentation kind of system that human revolution has which is how you really customize your adam jensen um mm-hmm. being able to ha- like having entire skill trees devoted to like hacking better or being more stealthy with hacking having really very little to do with actual combat but allowing you to find more information or passwords or i guess you mm-hmm. can you can also hack turrets like being able to do that sort of stuff or um improving your eyesight so you can see through walls like those more reconnaissance aspects as opposed to the 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 shooting McGun face uh, aspects. I, I really, really appreciated and really up until human revolution. Cause this was, this was before Dishonored. This was about a, this came out a year before Dishonored did. I hadn't played a game like this. Not, not that I, I can really think of anyway. The game series franchise that I can think of that did this before mm-hmm. was thief. Yeah. Um, but we wouldn't even see a like Thief Four wouldn't even like the 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 kind of like the reboot them trying to bring thing, the French yeah. yeah the reboot trying to bring it back that didn't work out. I should know I got burned when I paid sixty dollars for it. I did too. Sorry, I, I I didn't pay sixty dollars. I paid like I I think I paid a hundred dollars for like the deluxe edition. Oh dang! And I got burned bad because that game freaking sucks. Yeah, it does. Um. Uh, yeah, it's it's real bad. It's but, rough. Uh, but so like the only franchise that I can think of that did this before um, Deus Ex Human Revolution is the original Deus Ex, of course, but also that's in the same era of like the Thief franchise when it came out. Mm-hmm. So, so I think those are like really the only games that I can think of that where you really had this first person perspective and kind of like a kind of quote unquote play through your way. Mm-hmm. And even then the Thief games didn't really have that much. Deus Ex, I think is the only one that I can think of that really did that before I think... um, outside of like maybe like Oblivion um oblivion morrowind yeah like outside of your main uh rpgs um I'm trying because to i don't even I guess bioshock was... kind of did it but not nowhere near to the extent uh that... no because bioshock yeah bioshock even then it's not like you could quote unquote play your way yeah like there was you could play around and do certain things with certain abilities from bioshock but there was never there was never a like the goal of Bioshock is you fight your way through, kill bosses, and that's the game. Yeah, it's like any other video game. But there's something about Deus Ex, uh, Human Revolution, especially after they did the rework on it with the director's cut. Um, I look at that and I think to myself, you know, there is. I don't think prior to that there was a game that let you play through the game that way. 
Um, because yeah. even like outside of maybe like the occasional boss in like a Fallout or a basically the occasional encounter in a Bethesda game, mm-hmm. you might be able to get by without having to fight if you had like a high enough speed skill or you'd done a quest or something, but nothing to the level, uh, especially to the minutia that Human Revolution gave. Yeah. And especially in a shooter. Um, like, and this was still during the time when RPG mechanics hadn't really melded with pretty much every genre out there, I feel like. So the idea of all this wrapped up, and you mentioned it earlier, in a really solid shoot, like first-person shooter package, like, it feels and controls really good. Um, but yeah. being able to have all the kind of RPG elements and being able to play your way and take different routes to get to bosses or past enemies... It was very, I, I hate to use the, the buzzword term, but it, it was revolutionary in my opinion. I, th- I think it was revolutionary. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a franchise or a, um, a game series where we would see something similar to that, even. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it was it's prior to the... RPGification that happened in I think like 2016 2017 mm-hmm. where all of a sudden everything has a skill tree mm-hmm. um the only games I can think of that maybe did that same kind of RPGification was Far Cry 3 I think started doing that um and it was pretty intricate back then with that game I'm trying to remember when Far Cry 3 came out it um, released in 2012 there you go so it came out after yeah. Um, yeah, so Human Revolution, kind of the first game to really do this and really push those boundaries about what you could do with a first-person's perspective in a game. Um, yeah, gosh, I don't think there's anything else that really compares to it. It truly was revolutionary. Yeah. I would say but that... also, I Yeah, no, go, ahead. go ahead. Nope, you first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, you know, and especially with the kind of heavy storytelling, because this is not a... Another thing about first-person games is they're usually not too heavy on, especially back then, they weren't yeah. too heavy on story. Um, I think the heaviest first-person story that you saw back then was... I mean, I the only thing I can think of is maybe Halo Reach, and... I mean, Modern Warfare 2 had a pretty like robust narrative from the first-person perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's that infamous, like, when you get betrayed at the end of that game and like it's it's a pretty like like bone chilling experience going through it for your first time was um, was it modern warfare 2 or modern warfare 3 that had the airport scene it's modern warfare 2 who had the airport scene okay. i wasn't talking about that scene even but they, even that scene was like talk like talk about controversial storytelling yeah no kidding um and i think human revolution kind of takes that up a notch where it doesn't pull punches it tells you mm-hmm. a it tells you like a, a hefty sci-fi story that has a lot to do with weirdly enough. It's like, it's about healthcare and it's about like the entire like concept of like, is healthcare a human right? And it was asking these questions in 2011. Well, it was asking these, good thing. We've yeah. solved that issue, yeah. right? Yeah. Good thing. Oh, man. Good thing. Nowadays, no, that's like, all, all sorted out. But yeah, like it, it has a lot to do with like and even brought up it even brings up in the game's narrative. It's like, you know, the history of like stem cell research and mm-hmm. 
the controversy around that and like because this is a, an idea about and this is the corp sorry one moment no you're good had to mute myself um uh but it, it tells a story about what it means to be human and it doesn't say it in like a flowery like oh what does it mean for a person to be human do we create something that's not human? It, it, it's not something as hoity-toity as that. It's it's telling an actual asking the real question. If you have your arm replaced, like how much? Like at what point do you stop being human? The more and more you get replaced. And mm -hmm. Adam Jensen, I mentioned earlier, is at the at the center of this because due to and because of the incident that happens at the beginning of the game, Adam's body is like ninety percent replaced. Yeah. Um. He like he he without it he would be an amputee on life support, and even then he wouldn't survive. Like, mm -hmm. in order to survive, he had to be augmented, and he was given like these augmentations that were state of the art and everything like that. And it's interesting because it brings up because a, a massive part of the plot is there's a very expensive autoimmune suppressing drug that if you are an augment like if you've been augmented you have to take otherwise your body will reject the augmentation mm -hmm. and it's an expensive drug and it's not covered by like by most insurances and if it does covered by your insurance you pay out the nose for the insurance and so you have these people who for just to in order to and it brings up the question like how much of healthcare is considered a right to the point where if somebody needs something to survive why like why should it cost them a fortune to have it and aren't we just at that point reserving true and proper health care for those with resources and wealth? And this is a game that asks those questions from 2011. It asks yeah. those questions. And it's something that was brewing for a very long time in the United States at the time. The ACA, um, like the American, uh, the American Affordable Care Act. Sorry. Yeah, the Affordable Care Act. And then there was... Um, like, there's just been a lot of these questions that about healthcare that, you know, we joked, like, it's not a problem today. I mean, it totally is, of course. Yeah. And it's, it's at, and it asks these questions like, okay, um, how much of a person can be replaced before it's no longer a person? Like, is it just the brain? Like, as long as you have a human brain, you're considered human. And because your needs are different, your wants are different. You're not mm -hmm. like, and so you have the idea of like, what does it mean? Like, where is the human soul? At what point does the human being end and the machine begin? Yeah. And it asks these in a, in a very tacit way that is very confrontational and really pushes it because it's not just like a, well, clearly people who want human beings to be pure human, like that's not what they're talking about. They're like these, like the, the, the human kind of um, side of the conflict versus the augmented side of the conflict is mm -hmm. Like you were talking about, like, is it right? Is it is it right for these people to? Because you also have to deal with the fact that like some people are not compatible with augmentation, and what does that mean for people who aren't compatible with augmentation? Like, are they going to be left behind? Like, can you have yeah. a manual labor job if your manual labor job requires you to have these massive strength augmentations? Like it, it asks yeah. these questions in a very serious manner and it doesn't pull punches in like this in a kind of a gray area of it being like, well, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that it dwells in that. I like that it sits with those questions. I like that it, it asks those questions in a very real way. And then I also like the fact that it takes a, a spin on its head 
and introduces concepts like the Illuminati in a very serious way. That is kind of ridiculous when you think about it with like in the, in the era, po in the post QAnon era, it's kind of super ridiculous. But then you think about it and you're like, you know what? 25% of the American population believes in UFOs and Bigfoot. Yeah. So like, and by UFOs, I mean like alien abductions, like abducting human beings. So like 25% of Americans already believe that. So like, you know, bringing in things like the Illuminati don't, don't seem as crazy with today's in, in today's America as it did back in 2011, but still. Yeah, it's it it's such a and thinking back on it and talking about it and whatnot, it's like I want to replay to see how it holds up and to see like how far we've come towards the I, uh, realization of what's proposed in Human Revolution. Like, we've, we've split the difference a bit. We have a, a few years to go yet before we, quote-unquote, it's the, the year it's supposed to take place, but it's it's interesting. And, yeah, like, for this time... We're five years away. We are yeah. five years away from 2027, which is where this game takes... Like, when this game takes place. Yeah. Like, it, it, it is wild. The things that they are talking about in this game, it's yeah. like... Like, it, an example for this game... Climate change is being tackled by a multi-billionaire. Like, not by the governments of the world, which are seen as grossly ineffective at this point, mm -hmm. because corporations have neutered governments um, to the like to a crazy extent. And it's like, is that really, like, we're not that far off from no, that, we're not. <laughs> we, we really aren't with these mega corporations and Amazon buying everything and, like, Tesla and Musk and everything. It's getting closer and closer yeah it's um yeah and touching on what you said on how this game for being a first person shooter brought so much depth and kind of complexity to its narrative i mean at this time we were still knee deep or like neck deep in run and gun bro shooters like your call we, of duty your gears of war your all all these games where shooters were like i mean and i know uh, women and others also played uh, shooters as well, but they were largely seen as you're like, you know, your frat boy bro shooters with the burly dudes that just shoot things. Like, that was the gist. You're, yeah, the, the kind of idea that first-person games were for either 12-year-olds to shout obscenities and the N-word at people in yeah. uh, multiplayer lobbies, or dude bros or like the the classic uh like madden player who like because that was kind of the idea at the time is like the person who bought modern warfare is the person who bought madden yeah um this kind of like generic male gamer uh which wasn't necessarily true but like the data at the time like things were definitely skewed that way um like look no further than marketing research at the time but uh, of, of course there are outliers of always but in the case of this, like we're still 2011, like the, the it's important to note the storytelling, like the peak of RPG storytelling at this point was um, like dialogue being tailored to three different like the hap, the the positive, neutral and negative spectrum of yeah. the Bioware genre or the um, like. I took an arrow to the knee type storytelling that you got from Skyrim which you know of course it goes deeper than that but you know the kind of almost um the kind of like very like we were experiencing not really 
deep storytelling as far as like a modern aspect of it, especially in like we just really mm -hmm. weren't getting that many sci-fi games. And the sci-fi games we were getting were like your Halos and your Mass Dead? Effects. Yeah. Where we're talking, you know, hundreds of years in the future. We're seeing nothing that's near future like this. We're seeing nothing that is tackling the issue, like basically saying like, yeah, in 2027, guess what? We haven't solved global warming. Why haven't we solved global warming? Because corporations keep getting in the way. And it's like, man, I, I really hope we do get things figured out by 2027. A young, wistful Cameron Abbott said back in 2014 uh, when he finally played To be games. that young and naive, full of hope and sparkle dust. Yeah. Ba yeah, back. Yeah, I, I could get into this, but I won't because um, that's a diatribe <laughs> unto itself that we just should focus on the game here. Um, but yeah, no, like it, it's this game is telling a story that feels like just futuristic enough that it's out of reach, but close enough. And it's tackling like the issues that we're talking about. Like mm -hmm. there's a massive portion of this game that is dedicated towards digital misinformation and the way that corporations control information and data like. This game, I'm telling you, man, this game has never been more real than <laughs> now. Like, it's crazy how real this game has gotten. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's, it's crazy. Switch out some names, uh, and you're going to see, like, some different stuff. I mean, as somebody who literally, like, I am on medication. I have to get my medication, like, regularly. And mm. my medication, I literally buy it from a company called Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drug Plan. Because it's so much cheaper than regular, like, pharmacy-based mm -hmm. medication. Wow. And it's the same product, but it's literally... I literally am utilizing a billionaire's disruption scheme to get affordable medication. Like, the dystopia is here, my friends. Yeah, it's we are... It's not that far off. We are up to our uh, waist at this point, I feel like, in the dystopian bullshit. Especially after this week. But um, I literally go to a URL that's Mark Cuban's cost plus like <laughs> it's the level at which we have reached like dystopian levels of like that. It's like in the far flung future. It's like, no, 2027 feels like it's like, are we there with augmentations yet? And like kind of like the technology that they're talking about. No, but it's really only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Like we, we might get there by 2032, maybe in 10 years. Will that be at that point? Probably with like augmentations. But I mean, at that point, the only people who can afford them will be like the multi-billionaires. Yeah. So like, it's even more true. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Do you? On a slightly higher, like, positive note, do you remember the story? It might. Maybe it was when uh, Mankind Divided released. I don't remember, but when an amputee or some uh, a girl that I think I think it was a girl had been born or lost an arm and they 3d printed like adam jensen's arm for yeah, i remember that for I remember when they did that yeah mm -hmm. that was really cool i just i love the memes that. around it that came out too because they showed her showing off they took an image of her showing off the arm and mm -hmm. how it worked and then they put the uh adam jensen sunglasses on her and she and it said i didn't ask for this <laughs> and it's like oh this meme is good oh it was a that was a that was a good wholesome wholesome meme i i feel also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention to everybody, Adam Jensen's really hot. He is. As a video game character goes, he is really hot. And there are some cutscenes where he doesn't have a shirt on. And it's kind of like, it makes me be like, ooh, robot sexy too. Yes, please. Um, and of course, his sunglasses are literally like, the pop-out sunglasses are the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. So, 
They are really, really cool. Um, yeah, I remember that uh, promotional image or whatever, him just kind of chilling on a couch in his like apartment or something, smoking a cigarette with his shirt off. Which, by the way, also is like amazing because he has like replaced lungs. Uh-huh. He has augmented lungs, and so here he has this entire quote too. That's like, um, like, like he talks about how like smoking does nothing for him anymore because he can't even feel the burn of a cigarette mm-hmm. in his lungs, like the burn of cigarette smoke in his lungs. It's like, man, way to make carcinogens sound cool, Adam Jensen. <laughs> um, because like that's the fu- like that's the future where like rich people will be living in soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's really truly uh, an incredible game. I think that the the story that it tells the characters are great um, to the point where like, like, and it, it really is. It's about like this, this is a story about um, a common man, a regular dude who gets caught up in essentially like the battle of the billionaires about yeah. who's going to control the world. And it really is about that. Like that's the core of the game. And it's, and like, that's the spirit of the game too. It's like, you're watching just examples of people who've been downtrodden upon by their billionaire overlords. And like, I honestly don't know if there's a game right now that resonates stronger with me today than mm. Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Or sorry, not Mankind Divided, Human Revolution. Mankind Divided gets more into other stuff. Um, but Human Revolution, I think, is at its purest form, like just this a really incredible experience that is not as sci-fi or foreign as people might think. Yeah, I'm, I would be very, I think that would make a really good kind of, a whole op-ed piece like someone replaying human revolution and then really just diving into how closely it predicted things and how how we are living so much of the human revolution uh kind of story beats and things that that go on in that world it'd be like listen the only thing it needs is like a robot dog from boston dynamics to make me afraid uh those those things scare the shit out of me, dude. Man. Dude, and especially, have you seen what they do to those poor do- robot dogs? Yeah, they, like, kick them and try and knock them over and stuff. Like, I get what they're trying to do and by testing it, but this is how we get Skynet, people. Yeah. Treat treat your robots better. When your Alexa gives you information, say thank you, Alexa. I do. I get weird looks from my wife, but she she's like, hey, I'm, Listen, I, I'm just... When the, when the revolution comes... Mm-hmm. We we know we'll be good, at least better yep. off than some people. Yeah, exactly. Computers are our friends. You hear that, PC? You might make loud noises when you turn on, but you're my, you're my friend. You're, you're my bae. You're my bae, PC. My, you're my homie. <laughs> I kiss you goodnight. You're my homie. Um, no, like, yeah, no, it's, uh, no, it, this isn't a game that gets too deep into that, but it, like, no, Boston Dynamics stuff freaks me out, especially because yeah. it's like, you know, one of those days, you know, one of these days, we're going to see those, like, you know, those sub-headlines. It's not going to be a true headline where it captures, like, Twitter trending or anything. Mm-hmm. But you're going to see, like, some, like, you know, the Minneapolis Police Department will will pick up some Boston Dynamic robot dogs. Oh, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, it wasn't an officer shooting. The Boston Dynamic robot dog assaulted somebody yeah. and murdered them. The assault bot. And then we're the going to have bot. fucking Metal Gears, you know? We're going to have those, those cow-screaming... Robots from Metal Gear Solid Four running around the the Mo- the Mo- the Moodle Gears the Moodle Gears I love it the Moodle Gears uh, yeah now quick question also shout out to the color yellow which is the the color that sponsored Deus Ex Human Revolution um 
I, I would think it was it's more of like a burnt gold. Yeah, I like than that. anything else. I like that. It definitely yeah, burnt gold. I like that. Um, well, it's um, it's interesting. They chose that color scheme because uh, Adam Jensen's supposed to be a parable of Icarus. Once again, the guys who wrote this game wrote the original Deus Ex. Like these are these are really phenomenal, or at least were inspired by the original Deus Ex. Really were inspired by the idea of like modern mythology and kind mm-hmm. of like how we reenact mythology over like through the ages. And like the and the idea basically is like Adam Jensen is Icarus. These like his augmentations are his wings. And the idea of him getting too close to the sun is getting too close to the truth and kind of like how that all works out. Like it's mm-hmm. really, really good. Um, but that's the idea is like that yellow that you see throughout these games is meant to be the sun. Okay. And it's it's kind of because like we know kind of how things go through the original Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like watching a like you're watching an Icarus play out, basically. Although Did- we have it turns out we'll never see that Icarus play out to the end because unless unless um whoever bought like forgot the name of the company who bought Embracer it. Group. Embracer and bless Embracer Group is like, yo, we paid three hundred million dollars to find out how Deus Ex ends. Unless it's that, I don't think we're gonna get another one. Um but hey, you know, weirder things have happened. It's true. That's true. And didn't they kind of lean into kind of the whole Icarus angle heavier in Mankind Divided? Because wasn't there the whole kind of imagery with the the neon yellow lights kind of behind Jensen in one of the uh, the images or something? Yeah, it, they they definitely lean into it. It's going to be more and more of that, and or the idea was to be more and more of that as we got closer to kind of like Adam Jensen's eventual fail. Because like eventually, like Adam Jensen's going up against the Illuminati. Um, this isn't this is like overarching spoilers. Yeah. Sorry, but like also in the overarching spoilers, like if you played the original Deus Ex, you know he loses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, once again, yeah, that entire, the Mankind Divided one where literally it's like wings coming from his back, definitely meant to play into the kind of like, um, Icarus, mm-hmm. uh, kind of mythology of that. So like, it's great. I love, I love it. I love that they, the way they play with it. Um, and just overall, like the games are just really, really good. And especially human revolution. I think yeah. human revolution is a better game in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think then Mankind Divided, I think Mankind Divided plays better. But I think overall, as far as like an, a singular experience, um, Human Revolution is probably the best Deus Ex game. Yeah, it's it's interesting looking up uh, when I was searching for kind of the prices and everything for later in the show. Um, it, looking at Deus Deus Ex Mankind Divided, it is also such a product of the time it released because it's like you can buy a Praxis 10-pack kit for $7 or buy the Mankind Divided Assault Pack and all these like little odds and end DLCs that you could buy for real-world money. It's Yep, it, it's bad. Yeah, it, it's, it it's bad. bad. <laughs> um, it's I, bad. Like, I still like look back and like really love Mankind Divided. Mm-hmm. But it is once again of such a product of its time, yeah. And unfortunately, just like suffers because of that. Like, uh, like there is a part of me that's like, well, you know, mankind or human revolution had the missing link DLC, which technically is like a chunk of the game that was cut that mm-hmm. they then put in later. Um, the the prison, yeah, uh, like section of the game, which you know, honestly, probably could have been left out. <laughs> <laughs> But it's good. Like it has its own like interesting ways of like going about and doing things. That's like is not really. It's it's interesting because it's not really a folk a combat focused section of the game. 
it's very much the exploration and RPG aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does it extremely well because there's multiple ways of trying to figure out your way of getting out. Um, it, it's great. Like the missing link, this is, you know, we'll get into it later, but like the director's cut has all of this included into it, including the rework combat. Yeah. Um, you can, of course, if you like, if you prefer the old combat scheme, you can go back to it, but like, I wouldn't suggest it. It's much like the, the modern, uh, like the, the director's cut version of the combat and the way the game operates is just way better. Welcome home, Mr. Jensen. We aren't the only individuals that really love Deus Ex Human Revolution. So we are going to go around the web. First off, excuse me, first off, we have user Albino Denton from Reddit. They say, The Hubs. Detroit and Hangsha. I can spend insane amounts of time just wandering, doing side quests, talking to people, stealing slash confiscating items in houses. I like a lot the shop system too, feeling that all those extra weapons and ammos you gather serve some purpose. Not that we really need the money though. I don't know. I guess it's the parts where the game feels more alive. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't even necessarily touch on oh, yeah. it, but the, the environments in this game and being able to walk around and interact and, and kind of explore buildings and shops for Praxis kits to upgrade or weapons or ammo. It's there's a lot to to just discover in, in this game. Yeah, I think the discovery aspect of the game is incredibly like well done. You could just mainline the game and not even do like any side quests, yeah. but you'd be missing out. Um, the side quests in the game are absolutely fantastic. Um, it's so much more, and like you can, it it does a great job of world building in a way that um, even games today still struggle. And they just do it extremely well. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely agree. You want to take the next one? Yeah, sure. So this next one is from uh, uh, user Automatic Papaya1829 from Reddit and said, Farda Malik for the win. I lived for interactions between Jensen and Pritchard. Watching Pritchard's snippy comments toward Adam during the prologue was actually what inspired me to dip into the Deus Ex franchise. It was amazing to see them slowly warm up to each other especially when Adam met the nurse who saved his life and secretly asked Pritchard to assign her a safe house, one of the rarest moments he displayed emotion. I also really loved when we solved the murder case of Moloch's best friend and eventually rescued Moloch as well. And thanks, spy boy. Anytime, oh yeah, thanks, spy boy. Anytime, fly girl, my heart. So talking about the, the side characters, kind of the, the supporting cast around Adam Jensen, um... I mean, it's a fantastic cast. It's, yeah. Everything's voice acted. It's done incredibly well. Everybody is just a lot of fun. Um, like, gosh, there's, there is actually a lot of, um, like, really interesting characters that you meet in the game at, that are just, like, regular people, whether it's, you know, it, it's true. Like, the interactions, I don't like what they said. This person said about it's, like, one of the few times he displayed emotion. Adam does display a lot of emotion. It's usually on a, like a spectrum of stoicism, mm-hmm. but like he does have like those rare moments uh, or the, those very deep, intimate moments. And I do think the nurse one is one of them. Um, there's also another moment where he runs into uh, a woman who like knew his parents, and mm-hmm. like that's a very interesting scene as well. Um, and that's a side quest. Like the and these are all side quests. Like these are all things you could miss. Um, you could miss out on the, a lot of these opportunities for these interactions, especially with 
Adam and Pritchard and, you know, and uh, Malik as well. So, like, it, it really is, like, the game is so well built. Not just the world itself, but the people who live in it are just fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful game that really rewards diving into the world and the lore. Like... Yeah, you can get a you can get a pretty good experience if, you, like you said, just mainline the game and it, it's enjoyable enough. But if you really take the time to do the side quests, explore Detroit. To listen, it, I need to know what happens with this divorcee and her ex. Okay, <laughs> like I am digging through their emails and their text messages mm-hmm. and like finding stuff out about them. I need to figure out like this. There's nothing more about like. Like, I would 100% be willing to be a victim of the police state if they would let me, like, just, like, <laughs> dig through people's emails to, like, find out their story, even though it's completely wrong by doing that. But, like, yeah, that's one of the joys of hacking is, like, listen, I need to know what happened with this inter, like, this, there is a, clearly that there is a business relationship going on here, and I want to know how things interact, like, what is going on at this company? This company has no arching plot relevance anywhere else but there is something seriously nefarious going down between brenda and hr and the ceo about what they're planning on doing about these like these job cuts Mm -hmm. okay like i need to know what happened maybe one day maybe embracer will give you that closure you need cam no we all know that how it ends they end up (laughs) cutting like they end up setting everybody up to be fired bastards bastards all of them next up we have user Puraboo from reddit they say every moment and situation in the game was just masterfully executed to be honest i would have i would have to say spending time in jensen's apartment listening to melancholic tone of the music in there really touched me discovering just how broken broken adam felt the smashed mirror or unpacked boxes and how he was trying his best to get accustomed to his augs working on little clock mechanisms, the books by his bed. Plus, any interaction with Pritchard and Malik, of course. Yeah, it's... Those little environmental details also did such a good job kind of giving a a look into the deeper kind of unsaid thoughts of, of Adam and the characters that I appreciate. Like, just little nods like that that could easily just be random set dressing but the time the developers took idos took to kind of put what's there to to give you an idea uh, the unsaid um look behind the behind the glass as it were yeah i, I think that when it comes like for me personally when mm-hmm. i look at the when i look at the way that they do environmental storytelling it's fantastic not just with other people's computer terminals and stuff but mm-hmm. adam's apartment does really speak volumes about the kind of um, the kind of person he is like you would imagine that like this is this stoic character would not have a lot of personality but like you see the kind of alcohol he likes to drink you mm-hmm. know that he still smokes despite the fact that he doesn't get anything out of it anymore um that he's a, this creature of habit he has these books by his bed about dealing with augmentation adaption the clockwork stuff i had totally forgotten about the clockwork items but also like there's little things that shows like he didn't move on from his relationship mm-hmm. um there's like the little like little things that show like like he is this person who and like there's still like even the stuff 
about from back when he was a police officer. Like he like he has these hangups. He has this this history and this baggage and it makes him feel like a real character. And it's yeah. really well accomplished. So even though he's more of this he's on that spectrum of being stoic, um kind of like, you know, being the gruff stoic badass character archetype, he does have a lot more sensitive things about him, especially his music choice. Um like his musical like the his choice in music that you have access to in his apartment is quite telling that he is somebody who likes to con to sit down and contemplate, who likes to like sit back and enjoy moments. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very interesting. It, it does tell a lot about him. And the Smashed Mirror, of course, is a classic scene of him like just re- like mentally rejecting the augmentations that have been done to his body. Like this is a guy who who prided himself on being fit and being active and being like being human. And for him to have to deal with this augmentation is cl- like it clearly shows that the augmentations did a number on him psychologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Want to take the next one? Sure. So this one comes from uh, user Greenhouse89 from Reddit. Uh, the first time I played it, I went apps in completely blind. It was a free game I got when I bought a graphics card. I remember those days. Uh, oh, yeah. Once I realized I could stealth, I was hooked. I only play sneaky bow rogues in Elder Scroll games. Uh, yeah, Elder Scroll games. So I was immediately on board with non-lethal takedowns and tranks. It's like I was born for the game. Uh, the story kicked in and mid and the mid game difficulty spiked, and now it's the top five. Uh, yeah, it's top five best video games ever to me. My sneaky rogue players out there. Yep. yep. Shout out I to hear, them. I hear you. Shout out to us. Look at us. Look yeah. at us. Who would have thought? Look, look, look at us. Um, also, it makes me feel really old because I was just looking at Adam Jensen's profile. Uh, he was born about five years after me so i'm five years older than adam jensen yeah yeah that's, that's a real thing that kid takes stock of now that we're adults and yeah. like looking back it's like this character was born in 1993 it's like what eh, that's weird march 9th 1993 i i do have oh, about I called a, it in, dang yeah, yeah. Nice. i didn't even know yeah march 9th 1993 he he is Nailed only it. 6'1 though so i am a little taller than him but he uh, is superior. Oh, to I remember me in when most I said ways. he was like the everyman, and I now, now you tell me he's six one. Yeah, three inches taller than the than the regular population of the of the male population of the United States. What? I, who knows? Maybe by the time it gets to be two thousand twenty seven, all the chemicals in our food and whatnot, people will just be slightly taller. No, we all know that chemicals make us stunted. The chemicals of today, anyway. But not the chemicals of tomorrow. No. All those preservatives, man. Uh, next up, we have user NH4RXThon from Reddit. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your screen name, but... For me, when I realized Serif Industries Offices was its own little maze with all sorts of goodies, many, many other great moments that are mentioned in the other comments, but I really remember on my first... On maybe my first replay, I had missions to go to do. I had... Bleh. I had missions to go to do and got totally sidetracked hacking and hunting through the ducks from office to office. Stopped and just realized that that the level was more fun than most whole other games I've played. And yeah, this... I know this feel. Yeah, it touches on uh, points we made earlier, how kind of fleshed out and how the game rewards you for doing the exploration, for exploring, 
for doing all these things that a lot of games, especially at the time, didn't do. Um, 100%. 100%. Uh, how about you close us off? I'm sure this one comes from uh, Sobuto, or Subado, uh, from Reddit. Uh, reading through all the emails and data pads and putting the pieces together and uncovering the conspiracy, and then using that info to avoid getting the new chip installed, and therefore gain a gameplay advantage during a boss fight was a very satisfying mechanic that made me feel like a super spy. That was That, that is something you can actually make interesting game choices, like in-game choices, based on information you find. And it's awesome. Yeah. Again, going back to the whole rewarding players for exploring, for hacking and, and diving into the world. Uh, it's fantastic. It, it's it's magical. Um, but thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite moments and memories today. We really appreciate it. And like always... Down in the show notes, you can find links to the subreddit where you can share your own favorite memories or moments. I can't wait to read them. Now, after hearing Cam and I talk and gush about this game, you might be wondering where you can get it. Well, we are here to help you with that. Now, digitally, it's still pretty easy to find. On Steam, you can find the director's cut of Deus Ex Human Revolution for about 20 bucks. It will go on sale usually on most uh, Steam sales. But you can also still buy it on the Xbox Store. It is compatible with the Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S. I don't know if it has any sort of uh, updates or modifications to make it run better, but it is backwards compatible. And you can find it for $14.99. Just be aware that that is the base game and you will have to download the Director's Cut DLC for free separately. Now, maybe you want it, you are more of a physical fan like myself and you want this on your shelf. Well, we are here to help you with that too. You can still order used copies on Amazon um, for all the various platforms. It will range you uh, about 25 or so bucks. Um... So just be aware of that. And you can also get this on Wii U with just the director's cut stuff all built in. But strangely enough, even though they just sold Eidos Montreal, you can actually still buy Deus Ex Human Revolution on the Square Enix store for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. Both the standard edition and the augmented edition. It's brand new. So the augmented edition is $30 and then the uh let me and then the standard edition is uh the standard edition is $20. So you can still own a brand new copy of the original release ordered straight from the company that just sold the studio that developed it. So how about that? But yes, and now let's say you have found yourself a copy and you might uh, want some tips or tricks uh, to dive into Deus Ex. Well, we are going to provide you some tips and tricks for all you new players. So Cam, what tips or advice would you give to, to new Adams out there? My main tip is to definitely make sure you have the Director's Cut DLC installed if you have the original base game. Um, or just buy the director's cut directly. Uh, the reworking of the combat um, the lot made a lot of change up to the game, especially in the way that you could 
like we mentioned earlier, take on certain encounters that prior to that were just like standard boss fights. Um, and the Missing Link DLC being built in just really makes it a better experience because um, you get that built into the game itself rather than doing it separately as DLC. Um, be aware, and like they have a bunch of like patches and stuff and other things that you want, like that definitely will help you out with that. But I really do think that the um, best way to make sure you enjoy the best way that the game can be played is through that. Um, the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to play the game your way, whether that's combat focused, um, whether that's stealth focused, whether you want to do one where you run and gun, but you also hack everything. You, like play the game the way you want to play it, and the missing or sorry, the director's cut version of the game will let you do that. Um, it's an amazing experience. I really hope you guys enjoy it. There you go. And for my tips, it and we've touched on this. Feel free to just explore. You will be rewarded for your curiosity and exploring the environment and talking to characters. So just do yourself a favor and take your time with this game. Um, you will get so much more out of it, and it will be it'll be hands down worth the time. We are getting to perhaps my favorite part of each episode: the monster or enemy of the week. So, Cam, what enemy are you bringing to the arena this week? I'm bringing Lawrence Barrett. Um. A lot of the characters are really more well known for like kind of like their style of combat versus like their names. But Lawrence Barrett is somebody who I think sticks out a lot as a when you think of like a futuristic super soldier um, being like heavily augmented. You think of somebody like Lawrence Barrett, somebody who is just like heavy duty augmentations, big, like big, bulky, burly and scary. Um, he's the first boss that you really take on in the game. Uh, and he really kind of makes a a pretty significant um, change up to kind of the, the enemies that you've been facing up to that point. Um, he is a real danger and a real threat. And of course, if you, you're playing the director's cut, there's different ways of going about it. If you want to take him on directly. Um, like he is a very like straightforward boss fight, but I think he is quite iconic as far as like kind of like the damp, like the kind of expectation of a futuristic uh like human weapon of war would look like. So I think he's pretty iconic for that reason. For sure. So Lawrence Barrett is also known as the bull and is an antagonist in human revolution. He's a member of the tyrants, black ops team and of the private military contractors, Bella tower associates incorporated at the time of human revolution. He is, uh, 35 years old. So he was born in 1991 or 92. He is six, five, He's super tall, and his augments uh, are all benefiting his, like, kind of heavy-duty, um, menacing uh, kind of vibe he gives off. His arm, of course, is has, uh, in his left hand, his arm can turn into a minigun uh, that he just shoots at you. He is the second of Square's characters that also, I guess third, that have machine gun arms. But this one's also named Barrett, so funny how that happens. But that is Lawrence Barrett, the bull. But that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Cam, thank you so much for coming back and uh, hanging out and talking some Human Revolution. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm happy. It was an 
awesome experience kind of like reliving this game with you and kind of going down memory lane on it. Um, it's an incredible game. I was so happy to be a part of the episode for it. And I hope people out there go out and try the game. Yeah, I, I think it it's a game that will have held up very well and actually be more um, topical today than it was even back then. But thank you. Uh, first and foremost, where can people find you online, Cam? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and plug away. Yeah, sure. Um, you can find me over at basically anything that Nerdy Site does. Um, I'm on a lot of times I'm on our flagship podcast, That Nerdy Site Show. Um, where we talk about the nerdy things that we're into uh, for the week, as well as my regular series that's going up, um, Friday Night Dying Light, which is my Let's Play through of Dying Light 2. Um, have a lot of episodes still in the can on that that we're still going to be pumping out every Friday. Uh, it goes live Friday, 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, or I may, it might be on Arizona time. But anyway, Friday nights, look for that. It's a a fun let's play um, where I play through a game that is you know pretty fun. So um, I have a good time with it. I think it's a great time. And you probably would also, if you're interested in anything related to Disney or Marvel, uh, you can check out that D plus show, which is one of our, uh, our other flagship programs over at that nerdy site. So go ahead and check those out. I'm on them usually. And yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Some good folks over there at that nerdy site. So check out their stuff. It's uh it's wonderful. Um, but thank you to each and every one you, every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or you can share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at Professor RPG. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Reproductive rights are human rights. Class dismissed.